This Marketplace podcast is supported by Invest Puerto Rico. Build the future in paradise. Puerto Rico, a hub for innovators brimming with world-class talent and a thriving entrepreneurial ecosystem. Learn more at investpr.org backslash marketplace today. Let's go. Okay. That's what you call just-in-time hosting right there. That's what that is. Mm-hmm. Hey, everybody. I'm Kai Rizdal. Welcome back to Make Me Smart. Today, making it make sense, that's what we do. Indeed. And I'm Kimberly Adams. Thank you for joining us on this Wednesday. It is February the 21st, and we're glad to have you along with us. We are going to do what we always do on a Wednesday news, smiles, uh, and then uh, carry out the plan of the day. What do you got, Ms. Adams, if you want to go first? I'm happy to go first. If you uh, want to go second, up to you. Well, you know what? Why don't you go first? All right. Crazy story in the Wall Street Journal today, which kind of makes you do a double take. I will read you the headline and then discuss briefly. You should read this article. U.S. to invest billions to replace China-made cranes at nation's ports. We're talking about these giant cranes that take uh, containers off container ships and get them onto the trucks and then send them out into this economy. The fear is basically that by uh, uh, by using Chinese-made cranes, which will have capacity, the United States fears, to track what is coming in and out of this country, a not unreasonable fear, it seems to me, we are placing ourselves at a strategic disadvantage. Now, wow. should somebody have thought of this a while ago? Yes. Are we going to spend billions? Clearly, yes, we are. Wild, wild, wild story. It's infrastructure. It's corporate espionage. It is national security. It's uh, it's wild. I wow. don't even know what to say. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? So drive by a big port. Drive by like Oakland or <laughs> L.A. or Baltimore or whatever. Look at those cranes. Most of them are Chinese made and they're spying on us. Actually, that's, <laughs> that's not fair. It, we, we The government fears they are spying on us. Or that they have the capacity right, to. Right. Or that, that they could. That is a wild Isn't that story. Crazy? I, you know, DC is often like, for many years, was like the city of cranes. And one interesting right. economic indicator has been to sort of look out oh, yeah, at the skyline and the drastic reduction of cranes. Because for a while, it was like nothing but cranes. I remember at one point, I spotted 40 cranes that I could just see from my window. And now, last time I looked, I think there's like two or three. But, yeah, you're right. Totally wild. Never would have thought of it. No, 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 never would have. And clearly nobody did until like recently. And they went, (laughs) mmm. Like, oh, right. I remember all the um, drama when China wanted to buy some ports. I was thinking of that. Dubai Ports World, you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, that was a huge thing. But, you know, I guess there's a way in regardless. Yeah. All right. So when I was hosting tech, I guess like a, two year, a year or two ago, however long ago that was, uh, when the Dobbs decision actually came down. And one of the potential fallouts that people brought up as a potential outcome of the Dobbs decision overturning Roe v. Roe v. Wade was what it would mean for IVS, IVF and egg freezing. And a bunch of folks um, on the, you know, happy about the decision side we're like oh no people are exaggerating no big deal not going to happen mm-hmm. so fast forward to today yeah. or actually friday yeah. when i'm going to read here from the washington post 
the Alabama Supreme Court ruled Friday that frozen embryos are people and someone can be held liable for destroying them, a decision that reproductive rights advocates say could imperil in vitro fertilization and affect the hundreds of thousands of patients who depend on treatments like it every year. The first of its kind ruling comes as 11 states have broadly defined personhood as beginning at fertilization in their state laws. That, so this case is having to do with a patient who mistakenly uh, dropped and destroyed other couples' frozen embryos could be held liable in a wrongful death lawsuit. It's a really tragic story, obviously, you know, involving people's families and, and really difficult choices. But the court ruled that the patient could be held liable for wrongful death, meaning that those, you know, because the it had long held that unborn children are chin, children, and that was also true for frozen embryos, affording the fertilized eggs the same protection as babies under the wrongful death of a minor act. So jump over to thehill.com with the story now that the University of Alabama at Birmingham Health System is pausing all in vitro fertilization treatments for fear of lawsuits and criminal prosecution following the recent ruling from the state's court. The spokesperson said the health system is evaluating the decision. Um, and, you know, that's going to have impacts on a lot of families who rely on this. And, you know, if you layer that on top of the flight of, um, you know, OBGYNs and, and other uh, prenatal and, and uh, you know, healthcare workers from states where these laws are kicking in, it's going to be a lot harder for people to have children safely in these places that ironically are trying to protect children or unborn children or yeah i mean let's all the different classifications right Let, let's get it down to the to the very micro right there is right now somewhere in alabama a woman who's been injecting herself with hormones for however mm. long that cycle is right who has spent many tens of thousands tens of, dollars, of thousands of dollars right, to get ready for uh, egg harvesting and then in vitro fertilization and that's not happening now, you know? And I think about all the women who delay pregnancy mm -hmm. or, you know, they, they use egg freezing so they can focus on their careers or, or if or, you're undergoing cancer treatments right. or any of the many reasons that people choose to, you know, freeze their eggs and delay pregnancy. And now we'll have to, you know, or, or what happens if you harvest... 10 eggs and mm. they all take and mm. all of a sudden you have 10 fertilized embryos are you then obligated to have 10 children or you're oh, a that's murderer a good point. i hadn't thought about that one that's a good point right right yeah. because yeah. Yeah. that's yeah. what usually right. happens to those right. fertilized eggs they usually get destroyed once right. the people have had whatever children they want and yep. yeah there's a lot of repercussions yeah. of this What's that are coming down the pipeline so wow wow so let's change gears jake Mm. What's your smile, Kai? So I, uh, for a number of years, have followed a guy on, uh, well, God, it started back like when Google Reader was a thing. A guy by the name of Joel Kotke, who's been around for 20, 25 years, just collecting random things from the Internet and curates them. And here's what he had on today. Man in backyard talks to orbiting astronauts using homemade antenna. Apparently, this is actually a thing. Ham radio operators can talk to astronauts 
on the space station, like when they pass overhead, <laughs> it's like a known thing. And in the ham community, that's crazy. It's this wild. was a scene in Gravity. Did you see Gravity with I Sandra Bullock? D- I did see Gravity. I don't remember this one because you, I was so concentrated so, on the, oh my God, what a horrible story being stuck in space was, alone. But anyway. I, I'm really surprised that movie did not win more awards because right? I was, was on so the edge of my so seat good. the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Um, but there was a moment where, you know, she's in there by herself and, and she's trying, you know, she's already lost George Clooney and all the things. And she's trying to get one of the radios to work in, I guess, the new capsule that she got into. Oh. And she actually hears somebody speaking Chinese to her. And she realizes that it's just some ham radio operator who happened to pick up the signal and she that's has great. kind of a chuckle and it's totally. so that's the only reason I know about this. Cause I went and looked it up at the time. I'm like, no way. <laughs> yeah. It's really cool. It's really cool. Anyway. Yeah, it is really cool. Yeah. All right. So mine is a make me smile in, you know, the face of climate change. There's a lot of heat-related deaths. This is terrible. This is awful. But for as much as we talk about inaction in Congress and the things that you can't do anything about, this is a really nice story in the Washington Post about people who organized themselves, who advocated, who protested, and actually made change happen because there is a group of people in Florida who got themselves together and pushed for the strongest, as they say in the post, the strongest set of workplace heat protections in the United States. They were not put in place by local, state, or federal regulators, but by the workers who spent years organizing to push companies to adopt them. This was a set of standards put in place by the Coalition of Imokali Workers, a nonprofit that represents farm workers, the Fair Food Program that certifies farms, and they pressured the big chains like McDonald's, Taco Bell's, Walmart, Trader Joe's, Whole Foods, and now these workers, when it's hot, they can take a 10-minute oh, break cool. for every two hours. If they feel heat illness going coming on, they can cool down in the shade. They have Their companies that they work for have to provide clean water, shaded rest areas, and nearby bathrooms for all of its workers, which seems like the absolute bare minimum, mm-hmm. but were rights that people had to fight for, and they got them. And, you know, it's a really beautiful story. It's got amazing illustrations, lots of firsthand accounts from the people who are actually involved in this fight. And, you know, the story, it it made me smile. So I'm very happy to hear about people taking their future into their own hands and doing something to change it, and it working. It's a great story. Yay. Yes. Yes, it is a good story. And that's all the stories that we have for today. So we are going to be back tomorrow with our special weekly audio show. So if there's a clip of something that you think we should hear and talk about, definitely send it our way. Uh, You can send audio clips. You can send voice memos. You can send thoughts, questions, comments to makemesmart at marketplace.org. You can also leave us a voicemail at 508-UB-SMART. Make Me Smart is produced by Courtney Berg. Seeker Ellen Rolfus writes our newsletter. Today's program was engineered by Jake Cherry. Tilly Mantaka is our intern. Ben Talladay and Daniel Ramirez composed our theme music. Our senior producer is Marissa Cabrera. Bridget, Bridget Bodner is the director of podcast. And Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital.
And there we go. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I'm spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.